The Cloud Security Alliance, along with Fujitsu, eBay, and Verizon, are spearheading the Big Data Working Group with the aim of developing solutions to big data security challenges. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group, and I'm joined by J.R. Santos, Research Director for GSA Global, John Howey, CSA's Chief Operating Officer, and Arnab Roy, Fujitsu Laboratory of America's Research Member. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks for taking time to speak. Thank you. Thank you. What are the security and privacy challenges organizations face because of big data? This is Arnab. So one of the things is that big data is gathered from diverse endpoints. There are more types of actors than just providers and consumers, the data owners, for example, the mobile users, social network users, and so on. So one of the things that has to be uh, taken care of is that the data aggregation and dissemination have to be made securely and inside the context of a formal, understandable framework. This should be part of the contract that has to be provided to data owners. Availability of data to data consumers is an important aspect in big data. Uh, the SLA needs to address this. The searching and filtering of data is also important since all of the massive amount of data need not be accessed. So what are the capabilities provided by the provider in this respect needs to be answered. One of the most important points is that the balance between privacy and utility needs to be thoroughly analyzed. Big data is most useful when it can be analyzed for information. However, privacy would restrict the form of and availability of data to analytics technologies. One more important point is that since there is a separation between data and owners, providers, and data consumers, the integrity of data coming from endpoints has to be ensured. In other words, data poisoning has to be ruled out. And lastly, a key big data question is how quickly cloud providers can migrate the customer to another site when security is compromised. This is J.R. Santos. One thing to add to that is we have some issues around computing encrypted data in these environments event detection and so forth, and I think uh, Arnav touched on uh, analytics as well, but the big thing right now is just trying to um, understand things also, uh, key management, ownership of data are some of the issues I wanted to add to that. And this is John, I'll add also that I think one of the, the other concerns that any user of big data will have is the various statutory and regulatory compliance obligations they have. We're, we're all very familiar with some of the particular privacy requirements in Europe and where big data might actually pool in from multiple endpoints around the globe, how would varying privacy regimes and legislation impact your ability to collect that data and process that data and then disseminate the results? That would have to be factored in as well and the appropriate controls designed and considered to, to meet your various uh, compliance obligations. In announcing the formation of the group, uh, six specific themes have been identified, big data, scale, crypto, cloud infrastructure, data analytics for security, framework and taxonomy, policy and governance, and privacy. First, what do you mean by big data, scale, crypto? So this is Arnab again. There are a number of topics in cryptography and internet infrastructure that needs to be addressed. Many of these are research questions. So for example, communication protocols, data-centric security, privacy of big data, management of keys. You need to look at data integrity and poisoning concerns. How do you automatically detect those? You need to search and filter through encrypted data because the ma there's a massive amount of data and you cannot look at everything 
at the same time. You have to collect and aggregate data in a secure manner. You have to ensure that users can collaborate in a secure way. Suppose your cloud holds some data and you sometimes need to be assured that it, it indeed holds the data that it's supposed to hold. You need to prove that. How do you do that uh, in a cryptographically secure way? How do you outsource computation in a secure way using cryptographic technology? So broadly, what, what uh, the new directions that these topics would take is that you need to look at a large volume of data. So that requires change in the science, new directions in, in the topics. You need to look at streaming data, which data that is coming in thick and fast, and you need to adapt your technology to that. Thirdly, the data is pretty diverse. How do you take care of that? Next on the list was cloud infrastructure. With cloud infrastructure, you know, some of the key objectives there is to, you know, we wanted to identify scope of the cloud infrastructure platform and its various uh, entities and comprise the attack surface. We also wanted to identify uh, techniques for attack surface modeling, analysis, reduction, and uh, determine new issues that uh, could arise in the cloud. The third thing is to identify new problems and techniques that can make attack surface analysis an effective methodology for presenting the security picture. Rather than going through all six, why don't we just focus on one other at the moment, privacy. John, there's this issue whereby big data is inevitably going to pull uh, from a number of endpoints, as we heard earlier. Uh, the question is whether or not you can actually move that data into an analytic system uh, legally. And what are the privacy frameworks and requirements? What are the contracts between the data subject and the, um, uh, the, the data owner? Uh, what are the, uh, the the contracts in place between, to use a European term, a data controller and a data processor to permit the movement of data uh, around uh, in order to process it? And then not just protecting it from um, uh, disclosure or misuse at the point of collection, but at the point of processing, both intermediate processing and at the very end when the analytics are, uh, are, are delivered. Um, those are very serious questions. And at the end of the day, as legislation will evolve and change over time, you need to make sure that you design a series of sustainable, scalable controls which can be deployed within any system to ensure that a privacy regime can be maintained and is flexible to accommodate changes in privacy legislation almost anywhere in the world at any point in time. Is that a big problem because the view of privacy here in the United States may be different than the view of privacy in Europe? Uh, yes, and also it's bigger than that. It's not just the differing views on privacy and what privacy means in the U.S. versus the EU, but even within the European Union, under the current system where you have a directive which is implemented in the law of each of the 27 member states, there are actually differences in what you can do with data as uh, enacted in national legislation in each of the 27 countries. So what might be legal in one might not be legal in another. Another example within the U.S. is the concept of breach notification, where it's a state-based uh, system uh, patchwork of legislation. There's no federal breach notification law uh, for most types of data. And so as a result, uh, you actually find that uh, what you do in California in terms of breach notification might be different in Washington. And that might actually impact where and how you collect and process that data to, uh, to, to try and sidestep breach notification requirements, that may uh, actually be an issue as well. And then lastly, uh, the um, Asia-Pacific region, we're seeing a number of different, different privacy regimes growing there. You've got some countries which are following the European model. You've got some which are developing their own model and some which actually 
candidly have absolutely no uh, privacy protection whatsoever uh, that's worth really that much to consumers. And so any company that's working globally and analyzing its, its global customer base or its global supply chain base or whatever, it, it has to actually accommodate a very uh, wide and varied number of, of privacy regulations worldwide. What are your objectives? What are your short-term goals? What are your long-term goals of the big data working group? This is JR. One of our short-term goals is to really try to get a baseline set of best practices out there and kind of identify the gaps that can't be solved with current technologies and then take a look at some of the research proposals that are out there and see if there are any opportunities to collaborate with government or uh, industry to execute on research initiatives. That's kind of our short-term goal. In 2013, 2014, we're going to start looking at creating privacy test beds, start looking at and participating in SDO-related work, so standard development organizations, you know, making sure that we're linking with the major players and developing liaison status relationships with, uh, or liaison relationships with some of the major SDOs to come up with standardizing big data security and privacy best practices. So taking some of the things that we established early on and and looking at how that impacts international standards. Just really trying to execute on uh, any of the uh, research funding initiatives that we we may run into as we do look for those opportunities, you know, in the upcoming months. In a nutshell, that's what we plan to do. The goal of this group is really help industry and government adopt these best practices. How are you going to disseminate the information and the findings of your group? You know, it could be through a number of different channels. One of the things I mentioned earlier was the relationships that we have with SBOs, maybe looking at developing standards around these practices that we develop. In addition to that, we also work closely with our network of corporate membership that consists of not only cloud users, but also uh, mostly uh, cloud providers as well. A lot of it is going to be through a number of different tools that we've developed I know John Howey mentioned things like our uh, cloud controls matrix that is a popular tool being used uh, within the industry currently, in addition to things like uh, our our Kate questionnaire, which is used in most cases used as as an assessment tool for uh, the end user, and then things like DSA Star, where uh, providers will be posting their answers to Kate and and our our controls matrix. So there's going to be a number of ways we're going to deliver it through you know, current tools and mechanisms that CSA has uh, has to offer in addition to uh, just general involvement with um, uh, folks in the industry and, and through governments and uh, standards development organizations. How would you judge whether what you do is successful or not? You know, that's a good question. Success to me, and, and this is my opinion only, is really just adoption. If people are utilizing the tools and the, the best practices that we put out there, then I think that's success in my eyes. We're helping solve a big problem, and it's a a collaborative effort between, again, folks in industry and government uh, that are coming together to solve this. So to me, to see that is is success in in my eyes. Thanks, JR, John, and Arnab. I've been speaking with JR Santos and John Howey of the Cloud Security Alliance and Arnab Roy, a member of the research group at Fujitsu Laboratories of Public America for Information Security Media Group. I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.